You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. Well, relationships can be tough, and it seems that the closer they are to us, the trickier they can be to navigate. We can be thankful, though, that there's always space to learn and to change. But as we do, we likely need some mentoring along the way. I want to welcome Blythe Daniel here today as we step in and talk about mothers and daughters. Blythe, I'm sure we're going to start with the story about you and your mom, and maybe even you and your daughters. So I don't know how far you want to go back, but please just take us into your story. Thank you, Pam. Thanks for having me on and and to be able to talk about mothers and daughters. And I don't know about you, Pam, or even our listeners, but I think some of the most difficult foundational, I guess, wounds uh, can come from mothers and daughters. First of all, we look like our moms a lot of the time, and we tend to even act like our moms at times. We, we say we don't want to pick up on a trait, but we end up <laughs> picking up on something our mom said or did. And so from the very beginning, because of the relationship between a child and their mom, there is this bond. And and sometimes along the way, that bond can get frayed or broken or, or damaged in some way that it, it makes us as women who we identify with a mom, we look like her, we talk like her, we act like her. It it can make us question like, who am I? Am I, I, I don't want to become like my mom or some of us who maybe have good relationships with a mom after, after working on our relationship, we, we sometimes wonder how will I get this right with my own daughter or son? Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll share just a little bit about my growing up and, and take you into a little bit of my mom's background as well. My mom, grew up with an alcoholic mother and her mom was verbally abusive. Mom endured a lot of put downs and shaming. And my mom felt like she could never do anything right. In fact, we talk a little bit about how even in the kitchen, uh, my mom's mom would say to her, you're not cutting up the lettuce. Right. You're not washing the lettuce, right? You're not cutting up the vegetables, right? And my mom was like, thinking, is there a right way to do this? Like, it just felt so harsh that even the things that she was trying to be with her mom in the kitchen, and even in those moments, her mom was criticizing her, let alone criticizing her for how she looked or how she did in school and, and just the performance driven nature that we all have. And so that wounding started early for my mom and and carried through into her adult years. And I would say the rescue for my mom was coming to know the Lord in a personal relationship. And, and she was uh, actually pregnant with me when that happened. So she was, you know, coming to the Lord later in life. She had grown up in church and grew up knowing who God was, but she just didn't have that personal relationship with him. But it was through really learning what God says about who we are and, and his word. And she would pour and read in to the Bible. And and that's where she learned the truth that, you know, she was loved and she was known and God did create her. And it's where she really began processing some of the wounds and the hurts. And so after I was born, I was the second 
I was the baby and my brother was a year older. And I tell my mom that, gosh, I'm, I'm the one that drove her to really need to seek the Lord <laughs> because she, um, you know, really developed her relationship after I was born, her relationship with God. And, and she was still mending her relationship with her mom at that point her mom's alcoholism had lessened and she, her, her mom was attending an AA group at Alcoholics Anonymous group. And, and the, the key thing, Pam, that, that can be so hard for, for some of us who experienced either a mother or a grandmother wounding members of the family is that my grandmother was in this Alcoholics Anonymous group. And one of the things that it has in their list of the steps that you're supposed to take is that you ask forgiveness of the person that you have wounded. And she never asked my mom's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And, and that was really tough for my mom, just, you know, all the way through to her mom's passing. And, and so mom and I, during the time that my mom was experiencing the pain with her mom and I was, I witnessed it. I mean, I saw it and I, I would stand up for my mom. I remember sometimes telling my grandmother, you don't talk to my mom that way. I remember mm-hmm. saying that to her and my mom purposed in her heart that she would do things differently with me and my brother. And so I think that's where some of us are coming in today of like, maybe mm-hmm. you grew up in a home where things were not done. Well, you weren't mothered. Well, you weren't loved well, and you've purposed in your heart. I will not do that for my children, or I won't take those comments and, and translate that into the, into who I am. And so so that that's really the basis of our story of my mom experiencing it and then purposing that she would do things differently with me. And, you know, we, we had some times where we did need to work out um, differences of opinions and how choices that I made and how she saw me and how she reacted. And I would say that it was pretty normal for mothers and daughters, but it was still, if we had not addressed it, it, it could have those, those those things could destroy a relationship if not addressed. And so that is our hearts that we can mend, we can mend relationships with each other. Our desire is to help mothers and daughters restore their relationships because not only is it a biblical principle that we come together and we try to restore with each other and love each other, but God has given us the power to do that. So we're not even doing it in our own strength or our own power, but God is enabling us and helping us to be able to do that. And gosh, there's just such a freedom that comes when we can ask forgiveness or even offer forgiveness. Uh, my mom even told her mom, mom, I choose to forgive you. And mm-hmm. it, like I said, she had not ever asked her mom had not ever asked her forgiveness, but mom verbalized it to her. And that was helpful for my mom to be able to put mm-hmm. that out there. And and so maybe that's where some of you might be coming in today of like, I need to even though this person hasn't asked for my forgiveness, I I need to just say that I choose to forgive you. And there's a, there's a burden and a, and a, a feeling that comes when you're able to do that, that takes that yoke that's on you and it takes it off and, and gives it to the Lord to be able to say, mm-hmm. Lord, Lord, I need you to help me forgive and to literally um, take this weight that I've had on me and release it. Well, your mom stepped into that position of a chain breaker, I think, because no doubt your grandmother also had experienced wounding, which then she took into her motherhood. And so we've got this cycle going on and it's, it's, you know, like you could feel it from your end and say, this is terrible. Um, 
you know, I, I don't want to repeat this with my children, but until you take a decisive action, you said your mom purposed in her heart to do differently, then I don't know that we're going to see the change. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I, I was thinking would, was interesting is historically, it seems like we are from a Christian nation and people, you know, when your grandmother was growing up, it would have been a time when society was all going to church and they were all doing all the right things. And it just makes me wonder, you know, like what did faith look like that? Was it just very exterior because it was at that, um, that point of submission in the change of heart, which is where the relationships were better. So I wonder if like, as a society now, do we do better because we, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm kind of thinking out Mm -hmm. loud. Is our faith different or are, are we, we approach things differently or are we just maybe better educated because when you know more, you do better? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because my grandmother grew up in, in a church and raised my mom and her brother in a church in their community. And they, they traveled a lot through the military, but, but they, they attended a church, but, you know, I think that what, you know, people will say that there's one thing to have head knowledge, but another to have heart knowledge or heart experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that my grandmother and their family really did know who God was, but the thing that's so interesting, and I, I still see this happening in our society today is that what really, I believe led to my grandmother's, um, addictive behaviors was she felt like she didn't fit in. And so Mm -hmm. to fit in, she would drink and it made her feel more relaxed and it made her feel like she fit in. Now it ended up becoming Mm -hmm. an addictive behavior, right? That really hurt her. But I think so many of us still walk around with this sense of, do I fit in and do others like me? Do others Mm -hmm. see me? And she took her question to the wrong source. But do we take that question to God and say, God, do you see me? Do you love me? How, how, how do you want to help me through this guy? Like how, how do I understand who you are in my life rather than trying to fill that void? And so I I think that's sometimes what does start some of the behaviors Mm -hmm. that we have. And some of the things that we see is just out of hurt, people will project their pain onto other people, or they'll choose other Mm -hmm. actions that aren't healthy Mm -hmm. and And so, you know, we, we do say that our choices affect not just us, but our children and their children. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that's why we're really, my mom and I have been really on a mission to um, help build strong relationships Mm -hmm. for not just our generation, but the generations behind us. And so a lot of the things that my mom has taught me, I've really wanted to share with my daughter's out of my mom's desire to really reconcile with her mom and Mm -hmm. understand her mom's behavior, she ended up becoming a counselor. So Mm -hmm. that hunger that she had in reading the word and learning biblical principles drove her to learning principles in, in the educational realm. And she got Mm -hmm. a master's and then a doctorate in counseling psychology. And she practiced counseling for many years and and so it was almost like what she had experienced drove her to, to, to do more and to help yeah. others in their pain. And so I, 
I still call on her at times and we'll say, mom, what about the situation that I'm going through right now? Um, in our home, what, you know, did I handle that right? Or, and so we're, mm-hmm. we're always learning, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of how, mm-hmm. how, to, how do we practically walk out things every day in our life? And then what's the spiritual element that God gives us the wisdom and the knowledge, because he has, he tells us mm-hmm. that if any man lacks wisdom in James, that he should ask God. And so we, we call on that wisdom a lot because <laughs> mm-hmm. we need it. Mm-hmm. I love that picture of the Titus two woman that you have in your mom and that she's available to you in that way. It's, it's so important. And uh, I know it's not a relationship that all women have, but I think God has called us to mentor and to be available to other women, no matter what. So for the older women, be available, um, be a listening ear and share your heart. And for the younger women, be vulnerable to say, I need help. You know, it takes both directions. And I think that's the way the Lord designed relationships, right? He didn't design us to live independently and to have to figure it out on our own. Sometimes when we figure it out on our own, it's like just knocking our head against the wall over and over Mm -hmm. again. Yeah. And I, we've really seen, we've had people contact us and tell us their story and how they, they really found that by reading some of the things that we shared and and putting some of those things into practice, that it wasn't too late to repair their relationship Mm -hmm. with their mom. And so I just want to give women hope that, that it really is never too late. You know, we, we talk about how we can be initiators of asking forgiveness and we can be the ones to take that first step. And it actually isn't as hard as some people might think. They might think they have to go way back and address something that happened 30 years ago or 20 years ago. And really one of the things that I feel like my mom has taught so well is just this idea of saying, Hey, I long to have a better relationship with you. If you're talking to your mother, your daughter, what do you think we need to do to make things better? So you're starting like right now where you are in your relationship and just saying, Hey, I know that we haven't necessarily seen things the same in, in recent years, like the way that I raise my children. I know you might not necessarily agree, but, but I, I want to be closer to you. I don't want to have this distance between us. What can we do to make things better between us? And so that can be a door or a gateway to a conversation that starts, a, um, a turnaround in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And so we encourage people to write a letter or send a text or create a video or, or some way of just opening that door. And sometimes it's us who have maybe done maybe 5% wrong in the relationship and the other person has done 95% wrong. But the one who has, who has less fault in the relationship, so to say, initiates that conversation. And a lot of times the person who has had more of the responsibility on their shoulders will, will humble themselves and we'll, we'll see that the other person is really, they've humbled themselves first and, and said, okay, um, the, it kind of softens the atmosphere and it softens the relationship where that person feels like they don't hate me. They, they, they want to get closer to me. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. hold this against me. So we just see that as a true biblical principle about humbling mm-hmm. yourselves before each other and doing everything that you can to um, mend your relationship is a, is a godly thing. And even if the person never comes closer to you, you have done everything you can do. And you know that you've, you've done your part. You aren't responsible for their choices and their response, but you are responsible for your response and your choices. And so when you put yourself out there and ask, 
Can we talk about this? Can we meet? You've done everything you can, and that's a great place to be. Hmm. When I was taking a few notes on uh, the before we recorded, one of the things I wrote was be humble, and I think that that was what showed through when I was looking at this book that you wrote. We haven't even mentioned that, but um, but we're alluding to it, and I was seeing that in this story, and I think that. Ultimately, I think as we age, we start recognizing like, you know, how do I want to end this thing? What memories do I want to have for myself in, in our relationships? What memories do I want to create for my children and my future grandchildren, right? We we want this to end well, and we want our lives as believers to honor the Lord and to know that we have done what is right before him. And so I wonder if there's any any real distinct ways where you've seen mothers and daughters get it wrong, or are there places that we just kind of get into conflict that maybe we could do better at? Well, I have some personal examples. <laughs> I, I talk about this in the book, Mended, but when my kids were younger, I wanted them to even dress a certain way when we were going to church. For some reason, it just communicated to me that they were, they looked nice. They were, they were ready to go. And what it felt like to them was that I was stifling their choices and stifling that little part of them that had some control or some choice in how they looked. And it actually made it seem like it was, it was more important what they looked like going to church than the inside of their hearts and what Mm -hmm. they learned while they were there, what we learned as a family and how we worshiped. And so I had to stop because we would get into conflict about, well, I don't want to wear that. And I, you know, I wore that last week or, and, and so it became this thing that right before church, we were, we were in conflict. And so Mm -hmm. I learned to let them leave the house with striped leggings and polka dotted dresses that didn't match and shoes that maybe they were on the right feet or not. And it, that was, that was something when they were little, that it just was not worth it. The, the relationship is more important than what they look like. And, and I still say the relationship is more important than who's right. And Mm -hmm. so I had to learn to yield what I think is right sometimes for my kids, because I can get opinionated and I can say, I think you should do this. And and I think that's where as moms, we need to, to learn to let our children make more decisions without us in the mix and let them feel the weight of that choice or that decision. And then if things don't go well, they can come back to you and say, Hey, you were right. Or, Hey, I know you didn't really want me to do that. And I did it. And now here's where I am. And, you know, mm-hmm. that just being able to, again, that word humble, just humbly, being able to lay down what we think is the right thing, what we would prefer them to do, maybe even as they're leaving the house and a career and, and choices of who to date and where to go to school and all of that, like being Mm -hmm. able to just be humble and, and say, you know, do you want me to share my opinion? Like, that's a nice way of being able to say, Mm -hmm. should I step into this with you? And so um, we certainly aren't saying, Hey, don't have any input in your kid's life. It's just how we go about it a lot of times a question can really make a difference in how you approach your child. Instead of saying, you need to do this. It's, Hey, have you thought about doing this today? Or there's a softening. And and my kids were telling me this the other day, they said, mom, if you, if you ask us to do something, we're much more interested in doing it than if you were to say, 
hey, would you would you go do the dishes or um and so just even something simple like that is you know something like hey have you guys finished up your chores today and so there's there's the assumption that they maybe have done it and if they haven't they don't feel as guilty <laughs> so i think our words have power that's just what i've learned and even at that i don't know that we're always going to get it right because there's been times when i have uh, changed my language either like have you gotten the dishes done recently? Like you were supposed to. And then they're like, mom, you're so passive aggressive. And then sometimes when I'm like, go do the dishes now, they're like, gosh, you're so harsh. And I'm like, ah, I don't feel like sometimes we just don't feel like we can win as a mom. Right. And so, ah, you know, that's okay. We're going to get through this. And, uh, and like you said, focus on the relationship and understand you know, also God's building our child's story and, you know, all these things, it, it may not be clear now, but, um, but there's a plan and, uh, we just need to keep moving on. Yeah. And, you know, back to that example that you just shared, Pam, um, you know, certainly with hormones and emotions and things, some days you could say something one day and it would be fine. And then the yeah. next day you'd say it or next week. And then it, it's totally not, you, it's totally wrong that day, the way you said it the same way. The uh-huh. week and so sometimes I might even ask my kids, like, how, how can I best, like, what's the way that you would want me to ask you to do something? Like, how can I best ask you a question without you feeling offended? Or, and sometimes I'm, I'm even saying to them, how can I best support you? as mm-hmm. you're taking on more responsibility. Mm-hmm. And those questions, those powerful questions, you know, one of the reasons that I think those questions are important is that when we look at scripture and we look at how Jesus interacted with his disciples, but also those that he greeted along the way and the people that he spoke to, he asked them questions, didn't he? He mm-hmm. didn't tell them. I mean, well, he did sometimes say very specifically, you don't believe who I am. You don't, you don't follow me. Your heart is not clean, but there were powerful questions that he asked to draw people in that made them think. And so mm-hmm. I just, am a big proponent of asking powerful questions and asking questions that help clarify. And it gives the person, the other person a chance to speak and not feel talked down to. And, and that's a big thing in mm-hmm. relationships with mothers and daughters that, that a daughter doesn't feel talked down to that a mother mm-hmm. honors her and respects her daughter or her son. And there's mutual admiration and mutual respect for where they are in the family and, and how they relate to each other. And I think there's a continuum. I don't know if that's the right word even, but you know, there, there is this, um, there's changes that take place in our relationships. You know, I, I actually had no problem letting my kiddos go to church with unmatched clothes and, you know, shoes on the wrong feet, as long as I had their hair combed and they looked like they don't have food all over their face still. Right. So I was fine with that when they were little. Now, once they hit, high school and maybe their skirt is a little too short or they've got holes in their jeans. And I'm like, why are you wearing those ripped jeans to church? You know, and, and I somehow these different stages in the, their lives bring up different things with us, you know, in God's timing, um, we're learning along the way. You're right. I I think is that mother in, in that internal, the instincts that we have of would we have been able to do this? You know, what would our mothers say if they saw our kids or, you know, we're still kind of relating back to what is the mothering style that we had. And, and sometimes it's been a good situation. Some, 
some listeners may say, I, I grew up in a pretty good home. It's just when I got older and my mom got older that we really started having more conflict. And, and so I still, even though my mom is dependent on me for some things in, in her care, she, she does really quite well on her own, but there's, there's some things and I'm now trying to honor her as the daughter. And so sometimes our roles flip and we're still wanting to give them their independence. We're still wanting to not, to not mother them, hmm. but, but you will find, and I'm, and I'm sure many of your listeners, um, I, I would say I would find myself just really trying to, um, to, to give her the opportunity to tell me, um, I want you to do this, or I don't want you to do this or in, in caring for her and just honoring who she is. And that's sometimes a hard switch for us. We've been the daughter and then we end up becoming more of a nurturer. And so, yeah, there's grace and God gives us that ability to, to make the switch and to just, you know, ask him to guide us and lead us so that we do what is commanded in the old Testament about honoring our father and mother. And that's, that's how I want to live for, for my days and honoring my children as well, my husband, but I guess just leaning in and just asking God, like, where am I supposed to um, engage with my mom right now or my daughter or my son? And where am I not supposed to um, engage Mm -hmm. in that right now? Mm -hmm. Are there some real practical boundaries and guidelines that you found in searching for that spot? We just go to the Lord all the time and, and ask him, lead me for sure. Yes. I, you know, for us, I found that anytime I sense that I'm trying to control a person, whether it's, you know, my child or watching my mom navigate with her mom, we resist control. Right. And Mm -hmm. so learning how to not give advice unless asked as one guideline is to be able to say, do you want me to share my thoughts? Do you want me to give you some feedback that sharing advice is sometimes people give too much advice. Sometimes women give too much advice to a daughter and a daughter resists it. I know I resisted it a little in the beginning when I became a mom, even though I had no experience, I still Mm -hmm. did not want to be told, you know, you might want to do do this or do that. And Mm so I think learning how not to be uh, a controller, but, but also, you know, just asking permission, um, to, to share your words. And another would also be just making sure that again, you are clear in your relationship that you've asked for forgiveness or that you've granted forgiveness of someone. If your mother or daughter asks for it, that I I think that guideline just helps smooth out any relationship bumps that you might have is, is to make sure that you, you have really cleared yourself in the relationship. And so, you know, asking forgiveness is, is huge. And, Mm -hmm. um, those are just a couple, but we, we just believe Yeah. Too. When you can go back to those questions of, I long to have a better relationship with you. What do you think that looks like? Mm -hmm. That's always a great place to start and giving people, um, just something is a breaking into the conversation point. Mm -hmm. And I think once you're there, you know, then, you know, is it safe to, proceed with bringing up some things from the past, or do we just start where we are right now and and Mm. work our way forward? And then at the right time, bring up some hurts of the past, but anytime that you feel unsafe or anytime that you feel threatened, of course, you you really want to seek counseling and and you really want to be aware of where your limits are and how much time you do spend with each other. 
but we certainly pray that God will restore. And I've, we've seen a, a number of uh, families that have really been able to learn to communicate better, even if things weren't terrible, but they just needed some help in the communication style. And mm-hmm. that's always encouraging to me because words are so important and, and scripture really speaks to that. And I just, I believe that's an area that maybe we've underestimated um, as believers. I think we often respond out of, like you said, our own personal history. And I think sometimes we damage our relationships with our children or maybe even our older moms because we have safety, safety, safety in mind. And I have this knowledge. My knowledge will keep you safe. You have to follow my rules and follow my plan because my plan will keep you safe. Um, But you mentioned control. And I think that believing that we can be in control of someone else's safety is also a little dangerous. I mean, yes, we need to share our wisdom and we need to put up some guardrails at certain times in our, in our children's lives and in our own, uh, in our own lives and and maybe even with our aging mother's lives. Right. But Mm -hmm. ultimately understanding that we don't have control. We're going to, we're going to allow the Lord to be in control. I agree with you. And that that's a great way of saying it because we, we, a lot of times do want to put up safety barriers and it feels, it feels true, but a lot of times those crumble. And so then if, if we feel like, you know, well, maybe I heard from God wrong, or he didn't, he didn't protect my child or he didn't come through. We, we blame that on God. But when we're able to say, God, it, you really are in control and I trust you and help me know where I am to put some parameters and help me know where I'm to trust my kids. And, and really, as you mentioned too, like our goal isn't to control or to live in a, in a safe world. It's, it's to nurture our children to be disciples. And so Mm. we're going to have to hurt. We're going to have to risk. We're going to, we're going to get things wrong, but it isn't based on us. It's who, who are we as disciples of Christ and who are we raising as disciples of Christ that, that they can answer themselves to the Lord one day and say, you know, this is, this is how I live my life. This is what I did with my life. And so that's, that's something I think about a lot with my kids, especially. And that discipleship, that relationship building starts young, but it's never too late to start where you are. Right. So let's talk a little bit more about your book. You mentioned it's called Mended. And are there some specific takeaways that you really hope for your readers to have as they look at this book? There are. Every chapter ends with what we call a mending thread, and it is something for the reader to apply to their life in that particular area. We have one, you know, I'm just thinking one chapter in particular where it talks about setting different generational patterns. And we have a place for you to actually go in and draw a family tree. And the reason that we suggest this is because it helps you see how your previous generations handled maybe alcohol or addiction or anger. And so it's helpful sometimes to just even think through what are the things that I need to be aware of so that I can set a new generational pattern in my family. And so we we do have takeaways in every chapter and we probably have about three or four dozen conversation starters in the book. And those are some of those ones I mentioned earlier about, you know, I long for a better relationship with you. 
what do you think we need to do to make things better? We have those sprinkled in the different chapters so that whatever we're talking about, whether it's asking permission to give advice, or if it's a chapter on um, not controlling one another, we have, we have examples of, of conversations that you can actually put into practice. So we wanted to make it really practical for people, not just to talk about relationships, but, but to actually live them and do them. Mm. So um, it was, it was a really great opportunity for my mom and I to even draw closer together. As we were writing that book, she was walking through cancer and chemotherapy and we, we worked on it uh, some while she was even in the hospital recovering. And so people have even asked, well, gosh, did that bring up more conflict between you? Cause you were writing about these things and it, and it didn't bring up conflict. What it did bring up was, are you okay for me to share this story? Or do you remember when we struggled with this? And so it was actually a really healing thing for us to do, um, to just go deeper in how we were processing some things that had happened years before there was an example of how I made some not so great choices in college um, with food and eating. And uh, we talked about in the book, how my parents handle that, my mom, especially, and just going back and talking about, Hey, was that the right way to handle it? And so uh, I, I think it was, I, I think that, and, and you know, this to be true, that sometimes where you've been hurt, where you've been wounded can become your greatest ministry and can be mm-hmm. that place where you grow and you learn and you share with others. And so that's what we hope that this book would be mended, that it would be a place for women to hear some of our stories, certainly hear God's word and his authority in, in all areas of our lives and to be encouraged that it is possible to restore. And it is possible to even be in a healthier place yourself, whether you are ever reconnected with a mother or daughter, that you can have a stronger relationship with God and, and have just more freedom in your own life Um, by just addressing those wounds in those areas. Hmm. Well, I think it's wonderful that you wrote this book with your mom. And then speaking towards, uh, speaking about generational things, I know you're raising some writers. Is that correct? That's right. It it really wasn't planned, but it has been a really fun adventure. My son has written a joke book called You're Joking Me, Jokes for Kids (laughs) by a Kid. And he's just he's a funny, funny guy. And and so he's now just turned 14. And my his twin sister uh, is also have just written a book and it's called Let's Be Friends. And it's a tween devotional on finding and keeping strong friendships. Mm-hmm. And so uh, out of just pain of walking through some hurts in uh, yeah. middle school that we we can we can learn the kinds of friends that God would lead us to and how to be a good friend and what does friendship with God look like. And so uh, I'm just feeling really grateful that my kids have wanted to, you know, enter into a place of, of being able to, to share and encourage kids. And it's, it's a blessing to watch your kids find something that they are passionate about, isn't it? <laughs> mm, yeah. So I'm going to put links for those books and uh, in the show notes. And I also want to put a link to your website. So tell me where can people find you on socials, your website, all the places? Yeah. Thank you. So I am on Facebook under my name, Blythe Daniel, and the same for Instagram, Blythe Daniel. We have a website called ourmendedhearts.com. And on that website, we have the resources that, that you've mentioned, Pam. And so I would love to hear from people who have even read our books or, or have a question or a comment or are looking for 
you know, maybe they're looking for books as giveaways and they have something happening in an event. And sometimes we've done some interviews with, you know, the kids or I, and, and mm, separately. Fun. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. been, it's been neat to, to watch them speak into areas that, that they can at, at their ages, um, to start, you know, taking on more, just speaking directly to the issues that they've gone through with, even with my son, with his joke book, you know, a lot of kids feel self well, insecure, self-conscious maybe about who they are. And jokes can be a great way to help people break out of that, especially kids at school to, to know a few jokes. So, um, yeah, so that's been helpful beyond just making people laugh. It's also been a great way for people to great for kids to have some jokes on hand and share those with, with peers. Well, we always need more resources in our home for us, for moms and for our children. So I think we've got a list now and ladies, if you would like to chat about this a little bit more on Tuesday, make sure you join us over in the tending fields, moms group, where we do a little recap about this episode. And so I'd love for you to meet us over there. And the link for that group is also in the show notes. Blythe, as we close out, would you just pray for the listeners and the relationships? I'd love to. Well, God, we just come before you and we thank you for the way that you move in our hearts and on our relationships. We thank you that you are the author of relationships. You created man for woman and and children and uh, friendships. And um, God, I just thank you that you are working in the hearts of all of us, Father, that lean into you and that ask for your help and ask for your guidance. And so, Father, where there might be someone today that says, I I feel so distraught over a relationship or I feel like it's not going to repair ever. Well, I pray that you would infuse that person or persons with hope and give them encouragement and wisdom in knowing how to approach the person that they feel distanced from. And Father, I also just pray that we would be better in listeners and communicators and, and be willing and be vulnerable with each other that we can, we can go to people and not feel offended automatically, but we can ask, you know, a question that a powerful question that will help us understand them better. And so our hearts really are towards relationships. And we know that the enemy that we have, the, the enemy of our hearts, the devil would want to come and, and steal. And, and that's his mission is to steal from relationships and friendships and God, we just, um, we stand in your victory. We stand in who you are. And we thank you that you've given us the power to overcome even hurt and rejection and pain and that you'll walk us through it, Father. We don't just, you know, um, put it off and and say it'll it'll change someday, but you help us walk through those painful places and you help us to forgive and to restore. And so we pray this in your name. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for how how you have restored us to you. And we pray this through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next week, ladies. Bye-bye. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at Because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true.